You're listening to the Anchor Faith Church Message Podcast. We're excited to let you know that all five of our current titles in the Anchor Faith Library are now available on ebook. This includes The Forest, Cows, Crows, and Constellations, and Vision Beyond Sight by Pastor Earl, Cool of the Day by Pastor Marcy, and Lift the Room by Pastor Marcus. You can find any of these ebooks on Amazon Kindle, the Apple Bookstore, or Nook by Barnes & Noble. When you purchase, we'd love if you would leave a review on the books. You sharing about the impact that God has made in your life will continue to allow us to advance the vision God has given us to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. Now, without further ado, enjoy this week's message. Well, I'm Pastor Mike, an associate pastor here at Anchor Faith Church. Our senior pastors, Pastor Earl and Marcy, are in Nicaragua this morning. Hallelujah. You know, the, the vision of this house is to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. And so, um, thank God uh, that Pastor Ramon has started Anchor Faith Church in Nicaragua. And so, they went to go uh, check in and see how things are going. Um, you know, we actually had a huge part in where they meet at because uh, we paid for half of that building. Amen. And so uh, he, uh, he, by faith, he was saving up, uh, I can't remember if it's a retirement or a vehicle, and God told him, listen, you need to put like 8000 of that money towards this building. And so Pastor Ramon moved by faith, and Pastor Earl had in his heart, let's, let's match 50% of that. And so they're over there uh, this weekend with Raphael. Uh, many of you know Raphael. He is the interpreter that's helping them out this weekend and uh, checking to see how things are going. Uh, pouring into the leadership and seeing the kingdom of God advance in a different country. Amen. Amen. So let's jump into the word of God today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, in 2009, this uh, ministry has been in existence since 2004 is when this started. Anchor Faith Church started at Gamble Rogers Middle School. Um, And it's awesome to see how things have grown and the people that he's assigned to this work. You know that God assigns people to a local assembly to exercise their talent and their gift. Right. And so when we're at Gamble Rogers Middle School, we used to have one setup and teardown crew. It was awesome when it started to grow. And all of a sudden we had two setup and teardown crews. And then it continued to grow. We got to three setup and teardown crews. And in your mind, you're thinking, will you ever get to a position where you don't have to do setup or teardown? And Kirk, who's over facility, said, I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> but it's awesome to see how it's grown. Uh, When we launched out in that, God's been faithful in this journey. God has been faithful to add people, add provision, amen, Uh, lead us and guide us to where we're supposed to be. And so obviously we made one move between this location and Gamble Rogers. We were at a warehouse across from Cobblestone, uh, Cobblestone Village, and God was faithful to bring us to this location, amen. But in 2009... Uh, After five years of ministry, you know the Bible is progressive revelation. In hermeneutics, one thing you learn in Bible interpretation is uh, everything's in seed form, and you continue to learn and grow more about God. You realize we're never going to arrive in this life. We're constantly going to be achieving, and as Paul said, pressing into the high calling. So there's more than just coming to the altar and giving your life to him. We're to press into the high calling. So we are, we are progressively learning him and discovering more about this great God that we serve. And in 2009, Pastor Owen Marcy felt led by the Holy Ghost, felt led by the Holy Spirit to attend a conference in uh, South Carolina at a particular church. And um, when they were there, 
they listened to a person named Dr. Miles Monroe. And uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. But when, he was th- when they were there, they heard him speak about the kingdom of God. And so in 2009, they got progressive revelation on this thing called the kingdom of God. And it's really changed the course of how we do ministry. So one thing, we should always be pressing into more truth, uh, living to what we've attained, but always desiring to know more of him. And then you know that truth is like soap. It only works if you apply it. So it's not just learning, but it's doing the word of God. Matter of fact, in the Hebrew mind, it's different than the American mind. Knowledge in America is really information, but knowledge in the Hebrew mind was you actually applied what you're learning. You really didn't know something, really knows an intimate term. When, uh, uh, when Adam knew his wife, there was intimacy with that. So knowledge in the Hebrew mind is actually when you're applying it. If you're hearing this word of edification on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday, but you're not applying it, James 1 says you could be led into deception. Those that hear the word but don't do it deceive themselves. And so really, <clears throat> we want to apply what we're learning. Amen. So really, real church, uh, life begins. Uh, you're getting a download right now. Amen. I believe you're going to get some, uh, some prime rib spiritually. Amen. Amen. Loaded baked potato. And I'm not going to exclude vegetarians. You got a good combination of like a brown rice and beans for complete amino acids. Amen. As Pastor Marcy was talking about macronutrients on Wednesday night. Now she said you eat one macro. I didn't understand exactly what she was saying. (laughs) But I, I got the interpretation. Amen. So uh, when you leave this building, really, it's you applying what you're learning. What are you getting out of your devotional life? What are you getting out of your prayer life? What are you getting out of these Sunday morning services, the Wednesday night services? It should be really added to your life, applying to your life so that you continue to grow and expand. I want to launch out today from Matthew chapter 24, verse number 14. I'm going to entitle this Kingdom Life, God's Reality. You've heard of Walt Life, right? Some of you have seen it on the back of a, uh, uh, you know, a vehicle, referring to uh, Walt Disney. <clears throat> Can you get me that water, Pastor Brian? <clears throat> Sorry. You've seen Salt Life, right? And what's that referred to? Who knows? <clears throat> I think I'm from Ohio, so something to do with maybe the ocean. Excuse me. Look at that. Live stream's only in second service, so we're good. <clears throat> and if not, they can edit. Um, but I want to talk to you about kingdom life, amen? Not wild life, not salt life, but kingdom life. So in Matthew 24, 14, it says, <clears throat> in this gospel, say this. this. Say this. this. So if there's a this, there can be a that. This gospel of the shall be, and then the. A lot of people are looking for the end. But are we preaching the right gospel? If this gospel of the kingdom should be preached um, to all the nations, then the end will come. So if there's a this, there's a that. So the kingdom, the word kingdom in the Greek, for you studiers, Strong's 932 Basileia, Uh, really means royal power, 
dominion, kingship rule. This gospel of the kingdom, and really, in my understanding of scripture, when I look this up in Vines, there is a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. As Vines explains it, the kingdom of heaven always includes the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of heaven is not in full operation in the earth. Because the power has been given over to the enemy, the devil, follow me. But the kingdom of God can be operation in the earth through a believer. Because the kingdom of God is wherever you permit Jesus to be king, there is the kingdom of God. So in Romans chapter 10, and Romans is a delicious book, amen? I mean, the first eight chapters, uh, like an attorney, uh, the apostle Paul through the Holy Ghost lays out this well-laid, well-spoken case of how we get born again. Uh, the sin nature, the fallen nature, and how God basically redeems us. So he really culminates in, in Romans chapter 8. He gets to the Holy Spirit. He's building this case about sin, the sin nature, and how we're going to be saved. He gets to Romans 8. He mentions the Holy Spirit 19 times in Romans chapter 8. We get to chapter 9 and 10, 11. We're talking about Israel a little bit. Then we get to chapters 12 to 16. We get to practical Christian living. Amen. But in Romans 10, as he's building this case, because you know the Bible, as you read it, is one continuous letter. It's not in, we add, uh, you know, the chapters and verses so that we can reference it, right? But in hermeneutics, Bible interpretation, you have to read it in context. If my wife left me a letter, and the only thing I saw was that she said, and I, this is, I caught it in the middle, you're, I'm leaving you. And that's all I read. I could take it out of context. If I read the next sentence, she said, I'm going to Publix to get, to get your food to make your favorite dinner. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's good news. So when you're reading the Bible, you don't want to take one verse out of its setting. Are you with me? We got to see it in the entirety of the context of the way the Holy Spirit outlined it, okay? But in Romans chapter 10, um, The Apostle Paul says this in uh, verse 8, 9. He said um, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be. The word called, if you look that up in the Greek, it literally means this. To cut a covenant with your mouth. So it reminds me of this. Back in 2001, uh, I got married to my wife, April, and we went down before an ordained minister and we exchanged vows in April. What did I say? 2001. April 2000. So in hermeneutics, Bible interpretation, we want to get everything clear, right? So April 2001, sorry if I said that backwards. You all understand what I'm saying, right? Amen. The Lord knows my heart. <laughs> but I, we, we made vows. We, uh, before an ordained minister, we expressed those vows. And really, it was a covenant with our mouth. The same way 
Uh, that when you enter into this relationship, you say, Jesus, I believe that you came to this earth, that you walked it for 33 years, that you were crucified, died, that you were buried. On the third day, Jesus, I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe, Jesus, you've ascended, that you're seated at the right hand of the Father. I believe, Jesus, that uh, you put the blood on the, you put your blood on the mercy seat. And so I make a covenant, what, that you are? Lord. Now the word Lord means supreme in authority. Master. Really boss. Now in in the American mindset, we kind of get locked up when we think about somebody ruling over us. But you have to understand God. You have to understand God, the father, the father, God, he rules out of love, not out of a dictatorship. You want to submit to him because he's got good plans for your life. He's got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Uh, plans for hope and for a future. Matter of fact, the very word father, it's not used very much in the old covenant, but you see it used more in the, in the New Testament. And the word father means he's the nourisher. He wants to supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's also the protector, so he wants to cover you. Psalms 91 is Moses' psalm. He said, man, I'm going to hide in the, in the shadow of the Almighty, right? I may see a 1,000 fall to my left, 10,000 to my right, but it will not come near me. Moses knew God as a father protector. It also means the word father means he's the upholder. So he'll sustain you. The thing is, are you walking out his plan? He's only committed to what he's called you to do. So if you're walking out his will for your life, then he's going to go ahead and uphold everything that you have need of. He's going to sustain you. Amen. So as many as call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this is really not about Christianity. It's about the kingdom of God. And what, what is a kingdom? In Isaiah chapter nine, verse number six, through seven, it says this, Isaiah chapter nine, verses six through seven. For unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given. And the government, the government, the what? Not just Christianity, but the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called, listen to this, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So really, he's referring to the kingdom, the government of God. You know, it's interesting. We have an election this year, correct? Coming up and you're going to be hearing about better government or what that candidate, they're going to have a platform Uh, that they're going to be communicating why you should vote for them, right? But you know that God is not in a democracy. God's in a a monarchy. He is king, and he can't be voted into office, and he can't be voted out. So don't get uh, frustrated with our Supreme Court when there's a greater Supreme Court. The Supreme Court of heaven where God rules and what he says goes and his decisions are always out of love and of truth. Amen. Amen. So he said, there'll be no end to the increase of this government, this empire, this dynasty, and God wants this thing to grow. And the way that it grows is in the hearts of men. So the kingdom of God has laws. Hallelujah. Uh, my daughters, um, 
Man, it's been awesome as a parent. It hasn't gone too fast, but they are getting older. And I've enjoyed every moment. It was one of my prayers earlier in life. You know, I've heard a, a lot of parents say it went by so fast. I can understand that. Uh, but God's been good. I've enjoyed the richness of time as a dad uh, with them. Amen. But I'm trying, you're trying to teach them. The Bible says train them up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. Correct? And so you're just looking for practical applications in everyday life. Hallelujah. So sometimes we're driving down the road. I realize they're not 16 yet, but they're going to be 16 at some point. So I'm, I'm teaching things to them, right? Like if there, is a, uh, if there is a white line on the side of the road, what does that mean? It means that stay inside that boundary, right? If there's a yellow line in the middle of the road, but it's solid, what does that mean? If it's dotted, what does that mean? You can pass. Now, how many of you have passed on a yellow dot? No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Solid line before, amen? But there's laws. Why are those laws there? There's a thing called a speed limit. Today, we were driving to church, and my daughter Chloe said, look, Dad, that speed limit, it's fallen down. Somebody knocked over the speed limit. And, and therefore, you, you don't really know, if, you, if you're not familiar with that area, what is the actual speed. Do you know... That they're not, the city has not put those ordinances or those laws there to keep you from having fun. They are to what? Keep you safe. So you're not saying, why do they put a 35 mile an hour speed limit? That ain't right. That's not freedom. <clears throat> right? Or I'm not going to respect the yellow dot, the yellow solid line. I'm going to go ahead and pass. You know why they put the dotted line at certain points? Because they've deemed that it's, it's a safer statistically to pass in that area where if you're going around a curve and there's a yellow, that's not a good time to pass because you cannot see oncoming cars, right? You know there's red lights, which means to, green lights mean to, and yellow does not mean go really fast. That means to yield, right? So in, in the kingdom of God, there's laws, though, to keep you healthy, to keep you protected, to keep you safe. Just like in, in this local government, there's a greater government that God has ordained, the almighty of the universe, El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. He said, listen, I want this kingdom to come into your heart, and I want my laws to really rule your life because I have the greatest outcome for your life. But really, the center theme of the kingdom is the lordship of Jesus Christ. That means whatever the word of God says, I'm going to submit to and do. I'm going to trust it. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways, and he shall direct your path. So out of my spirit, because it says the just shall live by faith. So I'm going to trust the word of God with the entirety of my life. If you tell me, Father, there's a law of forgiveness. Guess what? I'm staying. That's a speed limit in the kingdom of God. 35, right? If I say I'm going to do 45, you know what? God's going to let you do it just like you can do it in America. But there could be consequences. You realize there gets to a certain point when you uh, go excessive speeding. They don't even give you, give you a ticket. You go directly to jail. Because you, you've really uh, created a higher risk factor that you could have killed somebody. 
And so God is saying through the Holy Spirit, there are certain laws that are to govern your life, and there are laws to benefit you. This is the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. Do you realize that some things are interconnected in the kingdom, hallelujah, such as healing and forgiveness? Yes. You, you want to see how this works through the word of God? Uh, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 6, that faith works through love. All right? So if you're going to have an active, a vigorous faith, you need to be a person of love. Or your faith is not going to be very strong. Well, guess what? If I'm in unforgiveness towards a neighbor, a friend, a spouse, an enemy, guess what is hindering? My love walk. And if my love walk is weak, guess what? My faith is going to be weak. And therefore, if I go to God and pray, say, Lord, I'm having this ailment in my body. I want you to heal me. You know what the Holy Spirit could say to you? You need to release and let go of that hurt, that wrong, that perceived wrong. Maybe something from your childhood that's still hindering you today. The Holy Spirit's saying, by the, this isn't psychology. This is by the power of the Holy Ghost that you release it. You say, Father, I forgive this person in the name of Jesus. I let it go. Then you position, you're back in the speed limit, and you can pray, now, Father, by faith, I receive my healing. Hallelujah. So that's, that's just a couple of laws within the kingdom of God, uh, this government that we're in, and it's a good government. It's a government that protects you, yes. that looks after your best interests. It's a government that provides for you. And this government, there's laws within this government, as I'm talking about provision, hallelujah, because we do have some mindsets in America, so I'm just blending so you can see where people think they're going to make money without working. I go over to my government, and he says, if you don't work, you don't eat. He said, there is seed time, and there is so you got to sow something, right? you got to do something. you got to, matter of fact, the Bible says, whatever you put your hand to, it will prosper. So this is another law. If you want the blessings of God, you need to learn how to work with wisdom, with integrity. You need to learn, learn how to work hard and to work smart. And then you give your tithe and offering because the tithe and offering really lets God do what you can't do. Because in an agricultural society, you can actually till the ground, get the roots out, get the weeds out. You can plant the seed. But the one thing that you need is rain in order for that crop to grow. So when you're doing your part, working hard, working diligently, increasing in whatever, uh, whatever avenue God has given you as employment, you need to grow in that thing, right? What are you doing in 2020 to make a better version of who God's created you to be? What line of occupation are you in? Hallelujah. I know recently we're expanding the HR uh, and within this living organism. I don't call it just an organization because it's the church. It's a living organism. So I had a goal to read a couple HR books this year. Why? Because I want to elevate my knowledge base on what does human resource look like. So I actually read a secular book, but I can, I can apply the biblical principles and throw out the stupidity. You know? So one thing I learned out of this book is in the HR world, they're saying, put the H back in the R. I didn't even know the H got left out of the R. <laughs> but anyway, so what are you doing to go ahead and grow in that capacity? But then when you're doing that and you're giving your tithe and offering, guess what? 
You're, you not only did you till the ground, you plant the seed, but then when you're giving your offering, you have a supernatural rain where God can pour out his blessings and you see an overflow. Listen, finances weren't just for you. You're like a hose, a conduit where it flows through you. The hose gets wet, but you're a generous giver into the work of the ministry. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So Luke 17, 21 says this. I was talking about the kingdom of God, and the word says this, neither shall they say, lo, here or lo, there. Behold, the kingdom of God is with in you. So wherever you permit Jesus or his word to be Lord, that's where the kingdom is. Not just Christianity, but, but a vital living relationship where Jesus, I trust you with everything. Uh, whatever you say, I submit to you. And this will really be our prayer. I'm going to go to Romans 14, 17 in a second. His Holy Spirit lead us and guide us on a daily basis. Amen. Uh, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, okay, before I get there, I just want to say this. How many American citizens do we have in, in the sanctuary this morning? Raise your hand. Pretty much everybody, it looks like. How did, how did you get your citizenship? You were born. How do you gain your citizenship in the kingdom of God? You're born again into the kingdom of God. John chapter 3 says, uh, if anyone is born again, he shall see or understand the kingdom of God. So you cannot explain the kingdom to somebody that's the depth, the mysteries, the wisdom of the kingdom to somebody that's not born again. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Amen. So in Romans chapter 14, verse number 17, this is what the word says. The kingdom life, amen? The kingdom life. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Barclay says it this way, translation, for the kingdom of God does not consist in eating or not eating, drinking or not drinking. It consists in justice, peace, and joy. I like the way this last part says, all in the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, that's good. The way translation says it like this, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It is righteousness, heart, peace, and joy. I like this one too, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about the kingdom life where God is in charge. Uh, we have uh, submitted to his lordship. And he's saying, listen, in the kingdom life, there should be righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So righteousness should be a, a, a theme in our life. Amen. We know this, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we may be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I was at PCI last weekend. Uh, we were able to minister to those inmates in there. Thank God we go twice, uh, twice a month and are able to get the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom into that, that facility. And as I was communicating with them, you know, just like people hear about America, the greatness of America, you're going to want to run to get where you think there's a great life that you can experience, right? Well, the greatest life, the greatest journey, the greatest adventure you could ever live is in the kingdom of God. And as I was communicating with them, I said, listen, all of you have been, uh, some level of guilt's been found in your life, right? Whatever the, 
Whatever the crime was, the judge decided what the penalty. Some are in for two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, right? And listen, they are guilty as charged, and they deserve the time that they have to spend in that location, right? But I said, this is, this is the story of redemption. This is the good news of the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus did for you, as he said, I know you're guilty of the penalty of the crime. You deserve it. But guess what? I'm innocent. I'm on the outside. I abide by the law. I walk in righteousness. I always do those things that please my heavenly father. But I'm going to go ahead and do the time for you. So if you had a 25-year uh, sentence, this is what the story of redemption is like. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go ahead and do that 25 years for you and let you walk free today. How would you feel like if you knew that you had 25, 30-year sentence and somebody said, "Just you're thinking, this, this is how I'm going to do the next 25 years in this little jail cell, and an innocent person said, I'm going to do the time for you. Would you be grateful to that individual? Yes. And that's what Jesus did. He said, listen, you were bound in sin because of the, of the fallen nature of man. I paid the penalty for sin. I'm going to go ahead and open the, uh, the prison doors and let you walk out a free man. But righteousness does not stop there. Because a convict that gets delivered is still a convict. But the righteousness that Jesus speaks of says, I'm going to open the doors but I'm also going to let you experience a new life. You're going to be born again, yeah. which means I'm going to give you a brand new spirit on the inside. Amen. So you don't walk out an ex-con. You walk out a child of the king. Yeah. That is the righteousness of God. He's paid the penalty, but then he's given me his very nature. And man, we need to live from the inside out, church. We are a spirit, man. We have a soul, which is your mind, what you think, your will, what you choose, and your emotions, what you feel. And then you have a body. This body was made to contact this physical world. The spirit man was made to contact God. In John chapter 4, Jesus said uh, that God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Too many believers in the kingdom are not seeing the greatness manifest of what God's called them to do because we're living too much in the soul or the body realm. Hallelujah. You can change that today. This is the good news of the kingdom where you can say, I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in this body, but I'm going to be spirit led. The spirit beareth witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. So we need to be living out of this. Your flesh may say, hit them. <laughs> but in the Bible, Corinthians says, the love of God constrains me. In the gospel, Matthew said, if they slap you on one cheek, turn the other one. What? <laughs> but this is kingdom life. I'm going to go ahead and abide by the speed limit in the kingdom of God and see the benefit of it. Amen. So this kingdom is righteousness where, man, every day you should get up and be thankful. Think about that. Think about it. Say, think about it. Think about it. Just don't go the way of the world, not get up and say, Lord, I'm not even thinking about it. Think about the righteousness that he's the penalty that he paid for you. Yes. 
He was crucified, died, was buried. On the third day, he rose again. Every morning, you should get up and say, thank you, Father, that I am the righteous of God and that you put your nature on the inside of me. I'm a brand new. I'm not an ex anything. I'm a brand new species. You've recreated my spirit, man. So he said it's, it's righteousness. It's peace. Hallelujah. And you know, I believe these by the Holy Ghost are in order because when you know you're in right standing with God, you have peace. You know, when, I, when I'm driving down the road, I have uh, no points on my ticket. Or, uh, yeah, right? License. Thank you. This, this there helped me interpret today. Because I've had no speeding tickets. Matter of fact, my wife laughs at me because I set cruise control in town. 35 miles an hour, bam. We, we used to live out um, at Heritage uh, Park, Landing, way out there. Not Landing, it's, uh, is it Landing? 32092. And I, I left a deodorant stick on my bumper one time and made it 20 minutes from my house to the church without it coming off the bumper. <laughs> one time I hit a speed bump and actually went backwards. Because <laughs> I wasn't going fast enough. So my wife... Gets a good kick out of me, right? But I try my best to abide by the law, right? Matter of fact, today I'm coming down uh, the street, and um, I'm at the stoplight. I got my seatbelt on. I'm with my daughter. I'm stopped at a, How hard is it to stop at a red light? Do you, like, freak out when the red light comes? No. And that's how it is in the kingdom. He said, my commandments are not burdensome. They're, they're, they're easy to follow. Some people think it's difficult to live for God. It's the greatest adventure, the greatest safety, and the greatest provision you could ever have. So I'm sitting at the stoplight, and there's a police officer um, that passes me uh, coming uh, my direction, right? And guess what I have? I have peace. I got my seatbelt on. I'm stopped at the, uh, at the red light. I got peace. Yes. Now, do you know when I don't have peace? If I'm not living right. If I just run that red light and pass the police officer, guess what? You know, I did that one time, a long time ago, in Tulsa. Um, I think I was speeding and I passed the police officer. I just pulled over to the side of the road. He was going the other way. I'm guilty. You know what happened? He passed me. I was like, I did the wrong thing. I'm pulling over. He had to turn around. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, I'm waiting for you to come behind me, right? But with righteousness comes peace. The funny thing is, um, when I, I'm on my way to church, I looked in my rearview mirror after the police officer just passed me. There was another one right behind me. I looked down. I'm doing 40 and a 40. I got peace. Turn my uh, right uh, uh, turn signal on when I'm pulling in the parking lot. I'm thinking if he pulls in, I don't know what he's pulling in for because I'm doing the speed limit. Got my seatbelt on. My, my license is not expired, right? Everything's in righteousness, so I got peace, right? So when you're living right, you understand that God has paid the penalty so you can be righteous, giving you a nature of righteousness, but you need to actually make a choice to live right. The Bible says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom, these laws, this great government of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added to you. 
So what, what's peace? Peace is freedom from conflict. Where things don't disturb me. You, you ever had got news where you, you feel disturbed, agitated, frustrated? Matter of fact, there was a, a freak out moment with the disciples when they're in a boat one time. And there's a storm that comes. And they're like flipping out. They're saying, we're going to drown. We're going to die. <clears throat> Jesus is sleeping. That's peace. They had to go shake them and listen to what they said. Master, do you not care? <laughs> we are going to die. You know what Jesus did? He stood up. He rebuked the winds and the waves. There was a great calm. And the disciples were amazed. And Jesus is saying, man, I'm, I'm delegating. I am this good news of the kingdom. I'm giving you. This should be your every. We're called to reign this year. Yes. Reigning is position of kingship. Yes. He is the king of king. and the Lord of. Lord. And the word reign, when you really study that word out. It means really to exercise the highest influence. To flow into or on. So when I come into an environment, things don't get on me. My righteousness impacts that environment. Yes, amen. When I go into an environment that's, that's in conflict or freaking out, it doesn't affect me because my peace yes. flows into that environment. Oh, right? Yes. And so peace. Let's read a few scriptures on, on peace. Isaiah 26, verse number two says, I'll keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on me. So just like doing the speed limit, 35 miles, if you choose today to set your mind on God, guess what? You're going to have peace. If you choose to do 55 and not put your mind on God today, guess what? You can experience turmoil, disturbance, frustration, anger, resentment. But if you choose to go ahead and obey this law, guess what? You're going to go ahead and reap the benefits of it. He said this about peace. Philippians chapter four, verse number seven says the peace of God. I like before this, it says, be anxious about nothing. Don't worry about anything. Don't fret. Don't be man. We, we live in a, a, an age uh, where we get so much information. Like there's this outbreak from China, right? Of this virus. And I'm not minimizing or making light, but I understand that I'm in a different kingdom. I'm just not in the government of the United States. I'm in the government of God. Therefore, I'm reminded of testimonies like John G. Lake when he was the when he went to Africa for the Bob, uh, Bob not Ebola, that's uh, bubonic. Thank you. <laughs> bubonic. That's a fun word to say. Bubonic plague. And he was over there as a missionary helping out people. And he said, listen, if you take that disease and you put it in the palm of my hand and you look under a microscope, that disease is going to die. He understood kingdom living. And so they did, and it did. So when I'm seeing this outbreak, I'm not worried. It said, a thousand may fall to my left, 10,000 my right, but it's not going to come near my dwelling. <clears throat> I got the blood of Jesus. I'm in right standing with him. Therefore, I have peace. All flu season's coming around. Don't matter. I haven't, I haven't had that flu. I don't know, 15, 16 years? My wife can testify. Don't even, because in the kingdom of God, 
guess what? You just don't need healing. You can walk in divine health. (laughs) It's perpetual. The Bible says uh, if you keep these words before you, it will be health to all of your flesh. You know when you're in health, you don't need healing. But what's the requirement? Do the speed limit. Keep the word before you. Chew on the word. Meditate on it. If you do that, you'll get the benefit of kingdom living. So be anxious about nothing but all things through prayer. Not some things through prayer. All things. All things through communion with God. All things through communion with God. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then the peace, the calmness, the tranquility. It's a spiritual tranquilizer. (laughs) Uh, You know, the good thing, too, is you don't. In this insurance plan in the kingdom of God, there's no copay. Yes. He ensures that his word will work. Yes. If, you, if you go ahead and do the word. Amen. And out of peace, after peace is joy. Righteousness. I'm talking about kingdom life, church. Yes. I'm in right standing with God. I got peace. And then I'm thinking about God just makes me want to. I was thinking about, he set a table before me. I thought about King David out there after he, he killed Goliath, you know, because David wrote Psalm 23. Yeah. And I can, I can imagine him out there in that field on a mountain just dancing and praising God. Joy, man, just exuberant praise, <clears throat> heartfelt thanksgiving, saying, Lord, you are awesome. The Bible says in Psalm 68, 3, but let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Man, if you've been delivered, this is why Pastor Marcus is always trying to encourage you. Come down front. Raise your hands. There's no shackles on you. There's no chains. God has freed you. Whom the sun set free is free indeed. There's no vice grip around my mind. There's no disease that could keep me down. He's in his, his word, right? For signs and wonders to follow the preaching of the word of God. Isaiah 61 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and a bride adorneth herself with jewels. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 10 says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Acts chapter 20, verse number 24 says this, None of these things move me. Paul, in the midst of a very difficult circumstance and situation, said, None of these things move me. I'm reigning this year. None of these things move me. I'm reigning this year. None of these things move me. Neither do I count my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy. That I might finish my course like barely getting along, broke down, busted and disgusted. No, that I may finish my course with joy. That I may finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Romans chapter 15, verse number 13 says, Now the, the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You know, when, when you can tell if somebody's in faith. Right here. It says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. 
You know, hope is a confident expectation that something's coming. Yesterday, we had ordered something on Amazon, and we're tracking it. And my daughter keeps on looking. I mean, she's excited. It's coming. She's got joy and peace. She knows it's coming today. She's excited. Matter of fact, we were checked, we checked probably about, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 times yesterday, and then finally said six stops away. And, you, and she's like, it's coming, it's coming. We looked again three stops away. I said, look outside, honey, it's dark. It's 7.30 now. And she sees taillights. All of a sudden, you get that ding-dong, right, from Amazon that it's there. And then we play it real cool. We wait for the, the driver to get back in the truck. <laughs> Drive away. And then we open the door and get the box, right? But joy, it's expectation that God's going to do what he said he would do. His word says it. I believe it. That settles it. So this is kingdom life, righteousness, peace, and joy. And guess what? In the atmosphere, the presence of the Holy Ghost. He, Jesus says it's expedient I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send another just like me. The Holy Spirit. And he, he is the difference maker in our life. Yes. The Holy Ghost. He gave us righteousness, uh, gave us a new nature where we could actually house the Spirit of God. Listen, the primary way that God, God wants to lead you on a daily basis. Yes. You know, we have general principles from the Bible to do, right? Like we know forgiveness, right? We know about confession. But sometimes it, there could be a job opportunity, right? So there's no scripture and verse for that. So guess who you can rely on to lead you and guide you, though? The Holy Ghost. Yes. Colossians chapter 3, I believe it's about verse 15 or 16. The Amplified Bible says it the best. I, didn't, I don't think I had this in my notes. But it said, uh, let that peace, that inner calm from walking daily with him. Rule in your heart. Deciding any questions that arise in your mind with finality. Let the peace of God be your umpire. Yes. Romans 8, 14 says, as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. The primary way that God leads you is this inner witness. What's a witness? A witness testifies to truth, right? And so the Holy Ghost, the primary way that he leads you is just an inner peace. Your mind may not be able to figure it out, but just on the inside, you have a peace about doing this or not doing it, right? Now, it's got to line up with the Word of God. The Word of God is first. If you hear a voice that says, don't forgive that person, that is not the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? All right, so we have general principles we live by, but the Holy Ghost will fill in the gaps with those decisions that you need to make because he will lead you and guide you. I want to give you seven characteristics of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to run through these pretty quick, and then we'll close, because this is kingdom life, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, the atmosphere and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Give him room in your life. Yes. Pray in other tongues. Yes. Pray with your understanding, but pray in the Spirit, too. Be sensitive to what he's saying. Uh, back in the older days, I'm not that old, but uh, we used to have uh, the, the, the radio, the analog on them, you know, where the, with the knobs. And you'd have to try to find the station, right, that you're trying to tune into. Anybody remember those? And sometimes you go a little bit too far, be real staticky, and then you have to get back. Right, right? 
in just, just a little bit. But that's how it is with the Holy Ghost. You've got to tune in to what is he, what is he saying. Yes. And how do you do that? By spending time with him. Yes. How do you spend time with him? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Yes. Praise the Lord. Welcome him. Say, you're, you're in my life, but I just welcome your guidance. Yes. I thank you for your... He's a counselor. This is one thing I want to cover with you. I said seven characteristics of the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He's not the head of the Goosebumps department. All right? He is a, the third person of the Trinity. All right? We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus paid the price for righteousness. We have a new nature. Now the whole... What Adam lost, God said... The Bible says he breathed into Adam the breath of life. When Adam sinned, that Holy, the Holy Spirit was taken from him. Jesus redeemed us. Now we could have the Holy Spirit back in this vessel. And the evidence that you're filled with the Holy Ghost is speaking in other tongues. You know, in Genesis chapter 11, when the, 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 the uh, earth was of one language and one accord, but they were not living for God, they took a biblical principle of unity and they said, we're going to go ahead and build a tower to heaven. And God said, nothing they do can be withstood for them. So there's just a principle of unity that a business can operate in and apart from God and still get success. But he said, I'm going to confound their language so they can't communicate. And it's going to go ahead and, and disband what they're doing, right? But then in Acts 2, guess what? He uses tongues to unify the body of Christ. He said, I'm going to unite you guys back together through the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. So number one, the Holy Ghost is a counselor. He's going to go ahead. What's a counselor do? He gives you advice by relationship. And his advice is the right advice. Yes. It is truth. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Keep on praying. Not in a rush. The Bible says that if you hasten your feet, you sin. So in, in Pentecostal circles, in the old day, they say, pray through till you get a breakthrough. What's that mean? I just got a release. I don't care if it takes me a year, two years, 10 years. I'm going to pray it through. God's going to fulfill his word. Once I get a release, then I'll head that direction. If I don't, I'm staying where I'm at. I'm going to be faithful where I'm at. If I'm faithful where I'm at, God's going to add more. So he's a counselor. You don't need to go just to a natural counselor. You've got the greatest counselor on the inside of you that will liberate you, set you free, keep you on the right path, and empower you for greatness. He's also the comforter. Yes. What's a comforter? One that consoles your mind. The way I look at it, this is just how I view it. It's like when your computer gets frozen or stuck on a page. You have to refresh it or reboot it, right? And sometimes our mind gets stuck on default mode. I look at the Holy Ghost as my comforter. He's the one that refreshes me. <laughs> he gets me back up to speed, uh, ready to get back online, head in the right direction. He brings comfort, right? So if you're going through a, a huge trial, a tribulation, whatever it is, uh, God, the Holy Spirit's going to bring you comfort. He's also the helper. Now, he's the helper. Notice he doesn't do it all for you. He helps you. So like... I know Matt, Dev, and I, we've done moves before, amen, for people in the body of Christ. It's one thing to try to move a heavy piece of furniture by yourself, but thank God when somebody comes along and helps you take some of the weight of that. And so he's not taking responsibility away from you. He's going to help you with what you're called to do. Amen. He's also the intercessor. When you don't know how to pray, Romans 8.26 is awesome. In the Moffat translation, it says uh, he prays. There's groanings that can't be uh, articulated in, 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 in normal speech or speech that you understand. But the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you 
when you pray in the Holy Ghost? What's intercession? Filling in the gap. I don't know what. I've exhausted my English prayer. I've stood on the word of God. I don't know what else to pray. So now I'm going to let the Holy Spirit intercede. I'm going to pray in tongues over that situation and let him make up the the valley, the gap, and get all the pieces of the puzzle together. Amen? He's also the advocate. I love advocate because that speaks of an, an attorney. You know, one thing that the Holy Spirit, Jesus said he would do is he would remind you of truth. Matter of fact, he's called the spirit of truth. And so what, what's a great attorney do? They know all the laws. And they know how to communicate them to the judge in a way that wins your case. How much greater is the Holy Spirit going to lead you and remind you of truth when you don't know what to stand on. He could bring a scripture to your remembrance and say, oh, this is my declaration right there. The devil has accused me of this, but the kingdom of God, through the help of the Holy Ghost, my advocate, says this. So this trumps that. Amen. Amen. He's also the strengthener. What does that mean for daily living? When you feel weak, when you feel tired, I like what 2 Corinthians 12 says, when I am weak, then he is strong. Right? Deuteronomy 33, 25 says, as my days are, so should my strength be. I love the confession of Caleb at 85 years old, held on to the promise of God. He said, I'm well able to still take this mountain. He understood about the power that the Holy Ghost can give you. So it makes you tough. It makes you rigid. It makes you firm. It makes you not back off what God has said. He will strengthen you for this journey. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't put your head down. The Bible says strengthen those knees that are feeble. Uh, Lift those hands that are hanging down and praise the Lord, right? The Holy Ghost is going to give you strength for your journey. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the last one I want to cover, he is the standby. And what's a standby? It is one that's always there to be able to help you out. Amen. Uh, The way I liken it is this. I'll close with this example with a with a standby. The Holy Ghost in John 1 12, the Bible says, as many as received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. That word power there in the Greek is the word exousia, which he gives you the right to become the sons of God. All right. So it's like a police officer that has a badge. It says, this is my authority. It represents what he's able to do by law. How can, how can a 200 pound man stop a couple ton vehicle with his hand? Why? Because the authority has been given to. But the Holy Ghost is a standby in Acts chapter one, verse number eight. It says, uh, you shall be by witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He shall give you power in Acts two, four. That word is dunamis. So you have exousia where you have the right. But when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, dunamis is like the gun on the police officer's hip. Stand by. Devil, if you're not respecting the authority that I've declared, then I'm going to go ahead with my standby and unleash some power from heaven through the help of the Holy Ghost. Listen, Zachariah says this. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith.
We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.